CBCC episode 68, my realization of the day. The series of films we're covering this month feature killers using a power drill as a weapon, representing the male dick in many ways. When you think about it, most tools are pretty phallic. Is there a secret society of gay carpenters out there that I don't know about? Let's make a movie about that. But for now, let's go ahead and get to the episode. Hello, hello. It is your boy, Devon Taylor, a.k.a. underscore Daddy Disco, and this is the Bloody Blunt Cinema Club. This is a horror movie podcast where we take a look at the... This is a horror movie podcast where we take a look at our favorite subgenres and franchises within the horror genre, and um, it is a new month, and we got a new series coming up for you, but first, I have um, my lovely co-host sitting across from me. Mr. Garrett McDowell. Hello. We are in a new month. We're back in March now. Uh, we just uh, we just got out of the slasher month, took a little detour, and now we're back in it. Uh, talking slasher films. We got a new series to break down here, one that neither of us had seen, which is exciting. So lots of stuff to discuss and to dive on in here. I'm very excited. Yeah, I did notice um, this is a yeah, we're back in the in the slasher territory. Um again. But um so yeah, the next franchise that we cover, we'll have to find a, a a series that's not uh slashery <laughs> but that's okay because um uh again like after scream and then going back through the texas chainsaw massacre movies um well some of them you know i have a rejuvenated um yes. love for or uh, appreciation for slashers and um it'll be fun to dive into yeah this one because it's fresh for both of us um it you know was definitely maybe a a horror blind spot if you will you were talking about um some blind spots that you filled in um i filled in a blind spot yesterday that that um spawned a interesting question so um i watched the truman show for the first time yesterday one of my favorites i love that movie that movie fucking rules it's great like it's 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 i mean i knew it was good and i don't know what like i don't know i just like had never gotten around to it even though i love jim carrey he's one of my favorite people ever i I love that movie it's my uh favorite movie of my birth year so 1998 is my favorite movie that came out that year um i've written a paper on that movie yeah a really great movie kind of a horror movie in its own way you know that's what i was gonna (laughs) say what i was gonna say is like if you change the score of the truman show it's instantly a horror movie it's like because i mean it's kind of scary in general even though that was rated PG. Yeah, very existential. Yeah, yeah, existential. Like, I mean, just like this, like paranoia to it. Like, if you change the score, it's easily a a horror movie. Yeah. So, so that's what I want to ask you. Yes. What's a movie off the top of your head that, like, if you only change the score, it would turn into a horror? Movie? Uh, this might be an outside pick, uh, but it's one that I have seen uh, plenty of YouTube videos that have done edits and trailers of this. But the Pixar movie Up. Um, mm. I think if you change just a few things about that movie, uh, the idea of this old man kind of kidnapping this young boy and going to this horrifying land of monsters and, and creatures yeah. <laughs> could be kind of creepy. 
Yeah, I mean, especially with that, you know, heartbreaker of an intro. I know. He becomes jaded and, and vengeful. Yeah, and he's, you know. <laughs> now I'm going to kidnap this little boy with my balloon house. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, kind of Willy Wonka-esque. A little, little Pennywise action, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah a little bit. Okay, I would, I would, uh, I would go with that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, I don't know. I was just thinking about that yesterday whenever I was watching uh, the Truman Show. No, very existential. Got some Stepford Wives bi- vibes in there. I, mm-hmm. I could totally see it. There's the sequence in that in particular where um, his wife is like advertising. I think it's like a brand the coffee. Of coffee. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and she has have this weird, sinister little face. I could totally see that. I mean, in there's a movie. there's like so many moments where you like look around because like in the movie these are extras yeah. and like you like just see him in the background like always like kind of slightly looking over at him mm-hmm. you know and they're not supposed to be but like they yeah. do or like the the bus driver that doesn't know how to operate the bus because <laughs> yeah. he's an actor exactly yeah. um uh, so many like interesting stuff but then like yeah it was like weird they like drives like a normal ford tourist but like the everything in the town like kind of looks like throwbacky yeah in a way like this like out of time yeah kind of sense I, to I, it i can hear the jump scare now to where he's trying to leave the town and he's talking to the cops and they like try to warn him away and he's like all right well thank you and he says you're welcome truman i could just hear like a violin just you know because yeah the, <laughs> the, that's the twist that everybody knows yeah but Anyways, we're going to do a, um, I've talked about it before, we're going to do an almost horror month at some point. Um, Ooh, that'd be fun. And I think that would be yeah, fun to like kind of talk about movies that are not explicitly horror, ones that you, one, one uh, movies that one would call a reach, yeah. <laughs> if you yeah. said that, like, sure. Um, I, and it's funny in doing this uh, Jim Carrey draft uh, podcast I was telling you about, like I, I found myself doing that many times with Jim Carrey movies, which is interesting. I'm like, I'm like, oh, if you think about it, this is kind of horror too. I yeah, think. The Mask uh, had lots of like graphic violent elements if you look at the original comic. So yeah, I could totally see that. Yeah, just a, just a little bit. But so what we're talking for this month, because it's, uh, it's Women's History Month. Um, we had Black History Month last month, and now it's time to talk women this uh, month and with the That's Slumber right. Party Massacre movies, all directed by female directors. Super excited to get into it, so let's just go ahead and hop right into the series. <laughs> Slumber Party Massacre released September 10th, 1982. This is directed by Amy Holden Jones and written by Rita May Brown. So both females writing and directing mm-hmm. in this. Um, it had a very small, tiny budget of two hundred and twenty thousand dollars and uh, made a modest three point six million. So I mean, by profit margins, this movie was a hit. Is uh, as far as that goes. Yeah, not bad. And um, uh, what's interesting about the series, like I said um, just a minute ago, is they're all directed by. Uh, women, which this series started off, um, you know, in the 80s um, at the height of slashers when we were getting so many of them. And, you know, one thing that was kind of criticized by a lot of them is, you know, depicting um, this uh, depicting violence against females. And um, a lot of slashers were known for being sleazy with, um, you know, gratuitous or unnecessary nudity. Um, so it was interesting to get the series in the 80s. Um, each one of them um, passes the Bechdel test um, if you um, 
by if you're into that the Bechdel test is um you know if if a female character talks to another female character about anything other than a man mm-hmm. um which you would be surprised on how many movies do fail that test <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah um I don't yeah the Bechdel test is an interesting kind of um gauge I don't think it's the end all be all because as we'll discuss uh surely here with this movie um, yeah, there's a lot of interesting kind of uh, uh, feminist uh, undertones in this movie, but also some things that kind of fly in the face of what a lot of people would um, see as progressive. Um, so, yeah, the Bechtel test is maybe uh, the first kind of check mark that this gets yeah. in regards to the, uh, you know, uh, you, uh, kind of boundary pushing a little bit there. But I, I think that this movie still has a lot of ways to go kind of in that regard. Yeah, but I mean, I think it's a it's a good kind of starting spot for like, you know, as far as portraying more well-rounded characters, mm-hmm. you know, that again, that like boys aren't the only thing on these girls' minds. You know, they talk about sports. They talk about sex. They, just, uh, they talk about music. Um, they yes. talk a lot about food. They love food. Uh, women love food. Did That's you true. know that? Shrimp, Did- women don't eat food. <laughs> don't be ridiculous. Come on. Talking about horror. That's a scary thought. Women yeah. eating food. Ridiculous. That's That's a wild concept. <laughs> And um, we're going to have some guests um, to uh, talk about some of these other films. We'll have one for the next episode, and um, we'll have a guest when we talk the remake as well. Um, we'll but, ask yeah. them what they think. Do women eat food? Yes, we'll, 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 <laughs> we'll, we'll just double, we'll double check. Yeah, don't, don't, don't take our word for it yet. Don't quote us. Um, but, um, you know, we are a couple of dudes, so I did want to, before we um, dive further into the movie, yeah. I found an article on ghoulsmagazine.com which is ran by a former guest on the show, um, Zoe Smith, and she has a wonderful uh, site um, with many different contributors that are female, non-binary, um, with very a uh, lot of different uh, perspectives uh, to bring to the horror genre. We've had a few other people that have uh, written for Ghouls Magazine are here nice. on the show. Very nice. And um, Ariel Power Schaub wrote a um, two-part uh, editorial about Slumber Party Massacre 1 and 2. Um, part 1, Sex, Snacks, and Friendship. And um, to kind of give a little bit of perspective, here's a little excerpt from that. Every film in the series is written and directed by a woman and mostly produced by men, notably Roger Corman. At times, the audience can see different goals of the writers, directors, and producers clashing. For example, amidst all the positive friendship and realistic dialogue, each film has a scene in which the womenly suddenly take their tops off. I can't say for sure, but I can say that the it feels like the scenes are inserted in to keep producers and certain audience members happy. Still, the writing and directing give the films a distinct style, and the women seem more realistic than any other slasher characters of the era. The women in the films enjoy sex, snacks, beers, friendships, sports, and music. In other words, they are well-rounded characters and possibly condensed versions of people you know. Each slumber party has a smorgasbord of snacks, including chips, sodas, pizza, easy cheese, cookies, etc and pot of course we love it uh slumber party massacre is pro weed 
That's big right. time. They call it something funny. What do they call it? In this uh, movie? Maui Wowie. That's no, a strain. Exactly. Oh, that's is a, it really? Yeah, that's okay. a strain of weed. I thought that so was I like, like a, that they even took it. I didn't, not, not, see, I didn't know that because I'm not the weed aficionado on the yeah. podcast. I thought that that was just like a very boomer way of calling oh, weed. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, Ooh, like, yeah, some of that Maui Wowie. Maui Wowie, yeah. Okay, uh, so no, it's actually, yeah, that's actually a strain. So I do appreciate that it wasn't just, you know, a generic pot in the movie. exactly. Never once do we hear a comment about dieting or body shaming. In fact, in the third film, they crack open beers and make a toast to beer bellies and beer thighs. These women, these are women who want to relax and have fun with one another in a comfortable environment free of judgment. The genuine friendships are refreshing to watch, especially in a slasher series. Often in slashers, the group of friends is unlikable or seem to dislike each other. But in the slumber party massacre movies, the women are meaningfully bonded. They compliment each other, ask for help, and believe in one another when someone raises concerns. In the first two films, the women are connected by their hobbies and interests. In the series, the women are on a basketball team together, while in slumber massacre 2, they form a band. There is... um, there's not a unifying hobby in the third installment, but the friends seem just as interested in each other's lives there as well. Each film passes the Bechdel test because there are more to friendships than opinions about men. Yeah. Nice excerpt. No, it's nice to, I mean, obviously you pointed out up top is that we are a couple of dudes talking about a, a movie that is about women made by women. Um, and uh, we're, we're doing it as a month of, you know, kind of tipping our, 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 our cap, so to speak, uh, towards women in horror. Um, and yeah, I think it's great to get an outside perspective on this and I would love to, to, to get more uh, perspective as the series goes on about what the series means to, to women and horror fans, uh, about all of that. Because like I said, you and I, this, this was kind of a first for us. We hadn't really seen this series mm-hmm. and this is one that I had, you know, constantly heard about, uh, and then, you know, what it has to say about slashers, kind of the tropes that it embraces and some that it kind of uh, comments on as well as the, the phallic weapon that we're going to uh, discuss, no doubt. Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting it kind of has this uh, unique spot in the the gamut of uh, slasher films yeah i mean and this is a straight up slasher through and through and there's um and this is a slasher that doesn't really have a hook to it mm-hmm. that's pretty much you know always a standard cliche for a slasher is like you know what is it like they have yeah. their certain thing yeah. whether it be behind the backstory or the weaponry or whatever mm-hmm. and even though this does feature a recurring thing with the weaponry this uh this killer is just a it's just a guy yeah it's just a guy it's like an escaped kind of maniac on the loose and he doesn't wear a mask nope um just he wears a Canadian tuxedo yes he does and there's a Canadian tuxedo <laughs> on Canadian tuxedo crime in this movie that happens there's yeah a, the first victim of this movie is a uh, uh, sexy phone lady yes she's kind of uh, <laughs> repairing the phone lines and he kind of nabs her into the van and yeah there's some denim on denim action there so. Yeah. Oh, we it's a hate shame. to you see hate it. to see it. Yeah. Yeah, the um it is interesting that the the villain of this movie uh Russ Thorne, which is a great name, sounds like a pro great wrestler, great killer name. Um, yeah, yeah. He doesn't have kind of the kitschy, he doesn't have a gimmick, you know. He's he's mm-hmm. not he doesn't have the murder fingernails or the, you know, was burned in a fire or was deformed or anything like that. He's just a white guy, you know, and he's just got a big drill uh and he's 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 all killer no filler like this movie starts off immediately with a death, you know. I mean, this yeah, this movie is um, barely 70 minutes, barely movie. Even. Yeah, it's, it is it is brisk, so to speak. But even within that, you're right. We do get some time to spend with these characters and mm-hmm. learn about their hobbies and their their uh, their thoughts and their feelings about anything from sports to 
guys very occasionally. Uh, but yeah, a lot of snacking, which is a good, you know, I kind of wanted to snack with this movie. I didn't really have any snack on yeah. hand, but I did have a beer. Uh, so I felt mildly included in the slumber party. This looked like a good, would you want to, you know, killer aside, would you want to attend the slumber party? Oh, 100%. Or, yeah, I think it sounds fun. 100%. Yeah. They, they are literally just kicking it. Um, yeah. I, I do appreciate like how much personality is given to each character and just the conversations that they're yeah. having. This movie is really fucking funny. Yeah. Like it has a really great sense of humor, whether totally. it be just like the conversations themselves, but then also some of the dark visual humor as exactly. well. Yeah. It, um, it, it made me think I was like, it's been a hot minute since I've had a through and through slumber party, you know, yeah. like I was like thinking of like when I was a kid, but I'm like, why don't, why don't adults do that anymore? You know, I feel like anytime I spend the night at somebody's house, it's cause I have to, cause I shouldn't leave yeah. legally. Um, yeah. but, you know, I was like, I need to invite my buddies over, have some pizza, have some beer, maybe uh, smoke a little bit, uh, and hopefully don't get, you know, killed by the end of it. That that's the goal. You know? Yeah. Like this is a, a very fun time. It seems like even in other slashes where people are having slumber parties you maybe see like 10 minutes of it you know like and it's usually ooh the sexy pillow fight exactly and uh, yeah and this one it's like and and i'll say like even you know um you know ariel mentioned in the article talking about you know the the scenes of nudity and like was were they put in to appease you know the producers and audiences or you know and i didn't even feel like i didn't even feel it in that way i felt in a majority of the nudity scenes it's like you know it's just it's women getting ready well it's like them showering after after jim but it's not presented in a very sexual manner well i've got some some information about that if you want to hear it so of course uh, the screenplay that was originally written for this film was originally (laughs) called sleepless nights and it was written by uh, rita mae brown and it was kind of written as a parody to a lot of these teen slasher movies uh and things that had you know uh the the wave that had taken over hollywood uh following halloween of course uh and she had written this the screenplay as a way to kind of poke fun at a lot of those tropes and those ideas uh about you know how they portray women more oftentimes than not uh and the producers were not terribly a fan of that and roger corman in particular kind of wanted this typical boobs and guts and beer and alcohol kind of yeah angle to these movies Mm -hmm. and uh amy holden jones who has since been very outspoken about this movie is she's like hey that's what the producers wanted I got hired on to, to direct this movie. Uh, she was not very experienced in, in her in her career at that time. Um, hadn't really directed a lot, if anything. Uh, I believe that she was actually an editor, uh, and she had edited some Scorsese stuff as well as some, oh. worked with some other filmmakers. And she actually, this is another fun fact, passed up editing E.T. to uh, direct this movie. Interesting. Um, so she, oh. a lot of the kind of the nudity and things in this movie, uh, seemingly were at the behest of the producers and seemingly Mm. were kind of a yeah slasher and horror fans come to these movies and they expect a certain thing and although i can i i can understand where where people would arrive at the thought that it's like ah it's kind of a sellout you should be a little bit more beholden to your beliefs i think this movie kind of handles it in a funny way to where like the first 10 minutes of this movie there's a super egregious shower scene where like every character is nude in the first five minutes. And I saw is like kind of a funny moment where they're all just in a row and the mm-hmm. camera just goes by almost yeah, as it sweeps f- all their butts. Yeah. Or- almost as if it's like fulfilling a quota, like, all right, we need at least 10 boobs in this and, movie. And, and we got just, six of them knocked out in the first yeah. scene. Let's move on. Yeah, you know, let's get it out of the way yeah, up top. It and seemed then, very uh, like funny, funnily uh, kind of efficient yeah. in a way. I, I kind of admired that a little bit. And, and 
it does feel uh, almost a little biting in the way of like, okay, you want that? Sure. Here you go. Now, can we actually enjoy the movie, please? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I would agree. Like, cause yeah, pretty much after that, there's one more scene of, of course, the guys are peeping through the window, yeah. watch him get chip, but it's, you know, the, the girls they're changing from their regular stuff to their comfy stuff. So that yeah. way they can be comfy for the yeah, rest totally. of the movie. And so if, that's fine. If you want to read into that too, you know, these guys were not invited there. They're not supposed to be there. They're, peeping through the window without consent and looking at these naked women while they're just trying to enjoy themselves and have a nice time. And if you want to say those guys are audience surrogates or producer surrogates oh, where they're yeah. just kind of wanting to be these voyeurs and see kind of the societal cliche of yeah, when girls have sleepovers, they all get naked and kiss and have sexy fellow fights and that kind of that kind of dumb idea there to where it's like, no, they're smoking and eating pizza and talking about sports, you know, like they're just doing like normal people things. So if you wanted to read into it, I think that there's there's some things there that you could chew on for sure. Yeah. I mean, and, and I feel like they even like poke fun at that um, at certain points, like whenever um, one of the girls like shows up and she's like, who is it? And then she's like, we're here for the orgy. Like, you know, exactly. like, you know poking fun at that. Totally. Like, yeah, because that's what that's, of course, what we're going to be doing as girls. Yeah. Like, we're just going to be just making out and stuff. And it's like the guys are it's, and it's even portrayed kind of silly in that aspect. Guys are like getting all riled up. It's like they're literally just changing clothes. Yeah. They're not like touching each other, or, like kissing or anything like that or like doing anything yeah. explicitly sexy yeah it is just like literally just something as normal as just like they're just changing yeah. dude and yeah. they're just like ooh, would we get yeah, to deserve exactly. this yeah even though like, there's a lot of um a lot of nudity in this movie even especially compared to like some of the early friday movies which is kind of surprising to see um there's mm. only really one sexual scene and it's a guy and a girl and they're making out and he like cops a feel other oh, than that yeah. it's like a shower and they're changing clothes like it's not sexual at all so in in that way it does feel like a like kind of meeting a quota in a way of just like fine you want some boobs here you go yeah you know? and it, yeah it's literally just making out and it, it's a funny shot too because i can't remember how many times i've seen a close like it's a close-up on him like literally doing like the nipple like yeah, a little rub a little, rub little nipple rub and yeah. it, it was uh it was presented really funny yeah um yeah, yeah but it, it, yeah but like once that is like the after that there's nothing for the rest of the movie i, I wanted to ask how you felt because i do think the girl characters and the female characters they uh i would say women not like young girls one of them even says like mom and dad i'm 18 mm -hmm. so yeah they they are like you know full-grown women um i wanted to ask what you thought about some of the male characters because to me i felt like kind of how the the female characters felt where they're kind of crashing the party i was like get on out of here like yeah i want to spend time with with these ladies and they felt like they they felt like they were kind of intruding on their nice evening that they were having oh yeah i mean 100 i was like kind of annoyed like every time like it was like kind of annoying like cutting to them it's like why am i cutting to them i want i'm trying to hang with the girls exactly. what are you doing like <laughs> get out of here I'm trying to have a ladies night come and, on <laughs> but i will say that i feel like the guy characters redeem themselves a little bit because like <laughs> they when try to wait uh, yeah they try to that's yeah. yeah because like when when like everything when they realize something's off they're like yeah. all right well let's you know we gotta buck up like we need to fucking protect them like yeah, we're, yeah. let's come up with this plan we're gonna yeah. go out of exactly. each door with the knives and yeah we're gonna they, they scooby-doo it and they split up and search for clues which i was yeah. like guys stick together back you know back to back in the kitchen and you'll well, be no fine. because he even says like and I, he, he goes he was like you know we'll split up because if even if he gets one of us at least he can't get both of us and, and then the other one gets both of you. so they're so they're literally like saying bro hey one of us might die in this plan 
let's yeah. go ahead and do it. So, so uh, at least they put it on the line exactly. um, to for just to cop a look at some titties. Exactly. And then there's also the weird guy character or the neighbor character who's Mr. content. Exactly. And he's like he's he's he is kind of a red herring in a way because you're like, oh, is this guy? And it's mostly for kind of jump scare stuff. But what's this guy's deal? He's like <laughs> walking around the neighborhood with a meat cleaver chopping at snails and he says something like oh man got like 50 of them tonight or something and i'm like i don't know if he's just trying to impress her if he is on the one hand it's like weird dude like you think that's your big pickup line is oh i've killed like 50 snails today well what i took it as is because she then says like oh yeah my dale my dad goes on snail hunts too so apparently in this neighborhood they just have a big infestation of snails yeah Yeah. uh, snails are an invasive species of this neighborhood (laughs) yeah that's, like yeah. even like how disgusted she was by it, and I was like, "It's just a snail." No, if I saw it, I'd be like, "Oh my god!" Right? You know, she goes, "Ew! Oh my god!" And then yeah, like just being a red herring of like, I got a meat cleaver uh, exactly at, at night, like a maniac. Yes, yeah, like, very strange to protect his garden, or else it won't be organic. I suppose. Yeah, I didn't. I, I didn't really know that was a thing, but apparently her dad's into it too. So apparently, it's quite a hobby. In this, oh, you, in this you, you, you haven't been on a snail hunt. It's Let's been go a while. It. It's Wait. been a while. Yeah, that's our list for the friends group. We're gonna have a sleepover, and then we're gonna wake up bright and early and go snail hunting. I mean, it sounds like some Midwest shit. Oh, like, it, absolutely. Yeah, well, people hunt mushrooms yeah. and shit like that. So yeah. is snail hunting any weirder? When we when we go back home, we'll give you guys a. a, a if you donate money to our Patreon, that will come soon. We'll record an episode. From a Midwest creek, yes, to show you how Midwest. Except it's just going to be you and I being like, "Oh my God, they're so cute," and then not wanting to kill any of them. A good old snail hunt. There you go, snail (laughs) hunt. I want to see that sequel. But um, but yeah, like I I enjoy um, you know, weird character, but like even even I felt like every character is fleshed out for how for how short the movie is. Um, but I do. uh, Oh oh, that's what I had a note on. Okay. Um, uh, the, the, uh, the score is really dope. I yeah, dig it. Yeah. Um, I have a fun fact about that too. Oh, well, I'm, I'm intrigued with that fun fact well, is all I note, wanted to do. Share your Um, well, yours is a fun fact. Mine is, um, I'm throwing out some, some shade. Um, Mr. Philip Glass, who, you know, he's always talking shit and, but he's always like, yeah, I make money off of the score. Sounds a lot like the score to this movie. Does it? Uh, 10 years, um, you know, this movie came out 10 years before Candyman. And um, oh, the, score, the score sounds very similar. Inspiration there. Well, the composer of the score is named Ralph Jones, who is, fun fact, the director's brother. Uh, oh. And he recorded the entire score for this movie on a small Casio synthesizer, which is like one of those little mini things with like the pin. Oh, yeah. So yeah. he apparently did the entire score for this movie on essentially a toy, which is I think is pretty neat. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can definitely feel um, the, the light budget on this movie. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Um, it's, it's scrappy in a way. Like, yeah. I don't know. Did you watch it on Shudder? Yes, I did. Yep. Uh, you notice like how the print like has holes in it. And I, I like, I went up to my TV and I like wiped it cause <laughs> I thought there was something on the TV. You know, I'm a big sucker for that kind of stuff. I, um, I, I not to go on too much of a detour, but since I've moved out to Los Angeles, I've had the pleasure of seeing things in 70 millimeter now and, and 35 and, and I've seen things in print, which is like yeah. a new thing for me. And I went and saw, um, Mad Max Fury Road the other day and the print wasn't great like it was it kind of had some some uh, frayed edges a little bit and it it, like the the i don't know if it was the projectionist or whatever but it it wasn't like 
you know, uh, uh, crystal clear like I'm used well, to seeing it. They said that was a harrowing shoot. That was just from all the <laughs> sand in the camera it's from the, the desert. Totally could be. <laughs> which, to be honest, I thought kind of enhanced the experience yeah. because like Mad Max Fury Road, seeing a movie like that, it feels like you did kind of just like find this VHS in the desert. And I will say the reason I bring it up is because this movie also kind of fits that vibe to where it feels like you're, it, it's something that you found uh, like in your uncle's VHS horror collection and you're like, oh, what is this? And it's this weird thing from the video store, you know, that seeing that kind of grungy aesthetic to it, even though it's not, you know, all the crisp and clear and uh, as high budget as something like some of the nightmare movies or something like that. Yeah, it does feel kind of scrappy. And I, I like that little uh, the aesthetic of that. Yeah, no, it uh, has a little bit of texture to it. Um, yeah. and it feels because um, in the in the 80s, you know, movies were getting a little bit cleaner. Yeah. Um, you know, as as they were. But this movie yeah, definitely still had that um that little lowbrow stag to it. Um and the score, very simple. Even the title card, like the, the there's there what there's no cold open for this movie. Yeah. It literally just starts out title card, opening track, boom, movie yeah. starts. And I kinda appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, and I was reading also about the the climax of this movie if you want to call it that and the, the pool sequence and apparently that was kind of a reshoot so maybe the scope they don't they didn't detail what the you know the original ending would have been but it seems like kind of the scope of this movie had changed and that could be because of producing could be because of budget stuff could be uh who knows but yeah it's it's interesting to see how this movie kind of came out in a time excuse me where uh, a lot of Hollywood directors and, and particular uh, horror filmmakers were kind of just making things as a reaction to Halloween and that seemed to happen for just a while and it, mm-hmm. it is interesting to see how like I said at the beginning kind of the place that this has because even though some could see it as kind of uh, a cheesy pretty low brow imitation of what John Carpenter was able to accomplish in that there are some kind of interesting uh, flavor uh, and, and notes that this has on the genre maybe I think that's what maybe my bigger criticisms it's not as pronounced as i would have liked to uh, to have been because i think you have to dig pretty deep uh to find some of that stuff and it's so deep in fact that it makes me kind of question i'm like well how much did roger corman and other and others the the Mm -hmm. powers that be kind of influence that it it is a shame i want to see you know release the uh uh, release the rita may brown cut is all i have to say i want to see that original kind of idea come to fruition because i think it's interesting yeah i mean i think there's definitely probably was more to dig into and i'm sure like i'm curious on you know because of this movie's brief runtime like you know what was cut like yeah you know because obviously they just probably didn't have the budget to shoot a bunch of footage either, but also I'm sure there was footage that was cut out just to like kind of simplify things, and which is you know unfortunate, and but I will say at least it doesn't feel like a detriment to the film as much to me because I think it then gives it a little bit more of that idea of like how how mundane this movie is. Like sure. again, there's there's no hook, there's no hitch. We're not in. I mean, we're supposed to be somewhere in California, but it's like. Nothing like, I don't know, there's just something very mundane about just like these girls, they're just having a simple slumber party and just hanging out, 
and um, you know these things happening. So the the simplicity of the film, I think, actually works in its favor, and uh, um, at least for me. Yeah, I wanted to ask what you thought about you know the weapon of choice in this movie because it, it is it's a power tool. It's something that you could go buy, and it's not the first time that we've seen yeah. power tools used with like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre in particular. But it's also not as theatrical as something like a Nightmare on Elm Street or even like Hellraiser, to where it's this you know interdimensional demon uh, where it's it's just like it's just a drill. It's something that you yeah. use to like uh, for construction what did you think did you think that this is like a unique enough tool because i think it kind of gives it makes this movie stand out far more and i don't think it'd be as memorable if he just had like a machete or a knife or something like i that. mean he at least does use like one of the weird drills like he has to like use two hands for this thing you know yeah. like it's like yeah. one of those like kind of older weighty. model yeah um but it is i don't know um on a, a as far as like you said like this is like yeah a weapon you can literally go to the hardware store and buy yourself yeah so again like with that given that mundane aesthetic to it um but at the same time as far as for a sl- from a slasher eye um it makes his movements a little bit awkward he looks kind of goofy swinging it around sure um, see that. But yeah, and you can't then, you can't rev it up, you know, like a chainsaw. You make this noise. The the drill doesn't make quite as intimidating of a yeah, noise. Yeah, like this is me whenever I'm like trying to honk at somebody and I drive a Honda Civic <laughs> and it's not intimidating. You know, exactly. That's, that's that's what he's doing. He's got this like little ing ing, and Very so nice. like a you know he he can't he's not as intimidating as a Leatherface. But yeah. Um. But as far as yeah, I don't know. It's um the the weapon itself. As far as being kind of a stand in, you know, like of this guy, you know, violating these women, you know, their their safety, their environment of when they're just trying to, you know, be relaxed and feel safe. Um, and the, the weapon itself, you know, like I, you know, make jokes about it in the intro, but it is like a a drill is very specific because it is, you know, a tool that is very penetrative. Yes. So it, it definitely, you know, um, it, 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 like every time whenever he's like about to kill somebody, like even though there isn't any, you know, like, um, you know, sexual attacks in the movie. Yes. It still feels that way. It still feels kind of gross in a way. Yeah. Well, it's I uh, there's been interviews and since afterwards and there's been questioned if, you know, the filmmakers intentionally did that or not. But it's it's something that I wonder because uh, watching this, I'm like, how could you not? thinking that because especially kind of the the money shot of this movie it's on the poster it's on a lot of the marketing yeah, literally movie. between his legs. literally between his legs like facing this young girl who's like cowering in the corner and there's been talk about you know this weapon is obviously very phallic and there's like that kind of meaning but also the idea of you know uh, stealing virginities and and you know mm-hmm. they're kind of the pressure and the fear that can come from that and so i think that that does give this weapon uh kind of a unique flavor even though um, typically, uh, even in the real world, slashers with with you know something as simple as a kitchen knife, Michael Myers style, there is this kind of real world discussion happening about like, well, you're penetrating something. It's not mm-hmm. it's not a gun, you know, it's not a gunshot or something that's less personal. You're you're violating someone on the inside, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that this tool, as opposed to something like a chainsaw, which is uh, you know just completely, you know, Leatherface, he he inserts it sometimes, but it's mostly a slash here and there. 
there. The fact that this is like going inside you and drilling its way into you, I do think it gives it kind of this unique little flavor and makes this movie stand out more than if it was just like a kitchen knife, as I said. Yeah, I mean, it kind of makes it feel like a stand-in just for um, uh, dicks. Oh, oh for, yeah, for <laughs> dicks, obviously. But like, also, like you know, a woman's everyday fear of just like you know, like that men can be scary, you know, yeah. and like an art, you know, scary. Um, and there's something about like even the there's a point in the movie where like you know he's. He's always just like very creepy, doesn't say much um, until yeah. the end of the movie. Yeah. And, um, you know, very scary. And the only, the, the time that he finally um, seems scared is when Valerie like hacks half the drill and half with yes. the machete. Then yeah. he has this face of shock and he starts screaming. He's like, oh, no. So it's yeah, like, yeah. He, you know, he's powerless whenever he, uh, his dick is cut in yeah, half. Yeah, but he also <laughs> like says that they're so pretty and that he kind of loves them. And uh, yeah, you, I have you another... know you want this. Exactly. You I know you a, want it. I have another fun fact. Uh, so the the actor, Michael uh, Viella, I believe is how you pronounce his last name. He read the book Helter Skelter and that's like how he helped uh, prepare him for this role so there is kind of this idea of love and intimacy that he brought and folded into his the role of this character which i think is hilarious for the fact that he has like a handful of lines in this movie he like read an entire book and like really brought it to this character which honestly bravo make the most out of your role uh but yeah there is kind of this undertone of of love and like he, like you know like uh when he when she attacks him there is like this sense of like how could you kind of thing like mm-hmm. how, like don't you know how much i care for you and it's, yeah it's it's it's, it's it's interesting. It's bizarre and creepy and, and weird. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like this, like kind of like, oh no, like, uh, w- like what, it, it, and it, it's even reflected in like kind of a, a line that, um, the boys say earlier too, um, whenever they're talking about, um, you know, like, oh, let's go scare the girls. And yeah. then like one of them even kind of protests from that, like, oh, should, should exactly. we go scare them? And yep. then he, and then the other guy responds with, well, you know, girls love, you know, girls love to scream. Yeah. He says, the, so the like worst they can do is be mad at us yeah yeah, so literally like convincing yourself that it's okay to go yeah you know ruin their night go violate their night exactly their sanctity um so yeah something about that um yeah the killer also trying to talk himself into that that like oh no like this is fun for you isn't it like that that i'm doing this yeah (laughs) it's stuff like that that made me watch this and say like oh man it's it's there like i can see the bones of of what they're trying to say in this movie and i can see how maybe uh in the the screenplay or the director kind of was being a little bit crafty in how they uh were were folding in these ideas which is not a a rare thing in hollywood if you look at a lot of classic movies there's a lot of uh sexual themes or overtones or ideas that because of the ratings board and because you couldn't show certain Mm -hmm. things on movies you had to be creative and you had to take different less obvious kind of roots and avenues here and it's something that watching this movie i'm like oh i I can see it I, i i know it's there same with some of the humor in this movie uh because there are some kind of comedic funny moments in this film like the fridge sequence which was, oh, which was hilarious so good so hilarious. so good but then also the moment um i don't remember the, the guy's name but he's uh at the door and he's like pounding on the door and you have the 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 babysitter inside the house who's just like watching a horror movie who can't hear the screams and everything happening because of the the volume of the movie so you, you've got stuff like that that kind of gives this movie a dark sense of humor to it that i'm just like oh man i wish that would have i wish 
more of that. Please give me more of that. So it's a shame if, if they sacrifice some of that to make it more conventional in a way, because I think that's exactly mm-hmm. what it becomes, unfortunately. It becomes a little too conventional. Yeah, but I'll say um, at, at least they... they, 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 they 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 do these conventions, but then they say, okay, well, like at least if I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it my way, and yeah. I'm gonna like you know give a lot more agency to these characters. Like um, on the subject of weapons, one thing that I love about this movie is you know once shit's going down, the girls make it a point that they will not like they like make it a point that like oh like hey make sure you grab a weapon, go grab a knife, or like oh I forgot the knife, I need to go get the knife, you know. That, and uh, I, that's another question I want to ask. Do you think that these women are uh, resourceful enough? Do you think that they are uh, a little gullible or a little forgetful at times, or do you think that they really give it their best go at surviving this? Because I found myself kind of being I was like. Ladies, come on, get it together here. This is life or death. <laughs> you know, I, I felt like it gave them kind of a, you know, they they felt believably, like they made believable mistakes. Sure. Like I'll say like, you know, yeah, they definitely make mistakes here and there, but it felt a little more believable. Like I definitely could see that they were putting in the effort yeah. um, to survive. Like, a, like again, yeah. like, okay, while the boys go do this, we're going to all sit back to back to back. So that way we can see all the different angles. We all got knives, yeah. protect each other, like scenes like that. Yeah. Um, whenever they like, you know, ran into a room because of something. Then she's like, oh yeah, I forgot the knife. I need to go, you know, go yeah, get the, it. And the, then like yeah. Valerie g- grabbing the machete out of the garage. Sure. Um, so, I mean, I'd say, you know, they, but even though they do make mistakes, it felt believable. Yeah. They're not complete buffoons to where I'm just yeah. like giving up hope, but there is one moment in particular that when uh, he, he breaks into the, the bedroom and there's that famous shot of him behind them, uh, they just like run away without the knife and leave it on the carpet. And guess what happens? He uses the knife to stab one of them. And I'm just like, I'm girls, sure. come on. Like you left them knocked out on the ground. And it, it is kind of the trope in slasher movies of like, you know, you hit him once and then you run away. It's like, dude, cut their fucking head off, you know? So it, it's, it is the kind of that that trope which is why we all love slasher movies of kind of the silliness of it all so yeah they're they're not complete buffoons but i don't think that they they kind of earn the the spot of the you know the the final girl like a signy prescott like we talked about they're not as uh not as proactive as i would have liked to have seen speaking speaking of final girl i like how it was very unclear who the final girl would be yes. like until the end of the movie. Like, cause it really, it, there wasn't a standout lead really. I mean, like, yeah, Valerie is off in a different house because she's separated from yeah. the friend group. Um, with her sister Courtney, which they have a really fun dynamic. I love their relationship. They felt like genuine sisters. Yeah. yeah. Um, again, also just hanging out with each other. Yeah. But um, I, I like how the movie, yeah, like doesn't really have a clear final girl. It's just like whoever happens to survive till the end of this movie. Yeah. I, I think it's as a result of uh, like something like Halloween that I just kind of instinctively thought the babysitter who's not quite involved with the fun is like off is going to be the final girl. But I think it's also because of what we talked about early to where it does kind of make things vague because there's not a lot of like overly sexual things in this movie nothing to kind of tip their cards or their hand to say like who's the virgin they deserve yeah, or, the, you know yeah exactly this is the virgin character oh well they have sex so they're gonna die and they, they they drink they're all just kind of like hanging out just not doing anything that is really showing oh they're gonna bite the dust every girl is like kind of on an even playing uh playing field here which yeah. i which i liked yeah, yeah. My favorite was Kim. Um, I, 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 I was hoping Kim would make it towards the end to maybe be our final girl. Uh, she was the taller blonde. Yeah. Um, I, I like that. Um, she had like a 
Um, her outfit when she shows up to the party, she's like kind of has a more like masculine look going. She has like these like yeah. like a more like male dress pant kind of looking things going, and like and her suspenders. And I was like, ooh. And then like you know, and she she was the first one to uh, dig into the food too. She was she was like, I'm hungry. I I'm gonna get to the chips before Diane does. There so, are some Kim. great outfits in this movie. Great I will looks. say there was some there the, that kind of a Dodger kind of a ringer shirt that she has. Or the, yeah, kind of the three quarter yeah, yeah, yeah. sleeve shirt. I was like, that's a sick shirt. You know, there's yeah. a lot of really good looks in here. Uh, she's not at the party, but I would say my favorite uh, character was Linda, who does die early on, but I found her very resourceful. And yeah. there's probably my favorite sequence in the movie is at the, the high school, at the locker room, where she's trying to hide from the killer and she's hiding in that little cupboard and she tries to get the towel to I clean thought, up the exactly, blood. Yeah, I yeah. thought that whole moment was really suspenseful. Yeah. And, and kind of had this unique kind of. Uh, it starts off with a bang. It really does. I, I found her to be the most interesting. I thought that that scene was really well done. And it's, it is creative of like, Oh, the blood is going out of the door. You kind of have to stop it. I, th- I thought that was a great moment. Yeah. I thought it was cool to be like, yeah, this is going to be, you know, a slasher movie where a lot of people die, Yeah, but at least if they're going to die, let's make them, you know, make the right decisions and put mm-hmm. up a fight and, you know, like exactly. showing like, okay, this character, Oh, like they're doing the right thing. They're, you know, hiding. They did see the blood that to yeah. try not to give themselves away, even though it already leaked through. So it just kind of sucks. They still die anyways. Yeah, but best. but yeah. they tried. Exactly. Yeah, they yeah. they definitely um show like that they're uh, all putting in. Uh, putting in the effort. Yeah, and then you got Coach Jana who's coming in later who starts whacking the hell out of him with a fire poker. Love to see stu- uh, stuff like that. Oh, yeah, that was great. She was uh, she um, uh, challenged Mr. Thorne to a duel. Exactly. Yeah, uh, the, I love yeah, I love somebody that will just straight up square up with them. Let's go, I love let's that. Let's do it. We, we talked about Scream, common in that series. So, yeah, I love to, love to see stuff like that because normally it's you turn around, get killed kind of thing, but it's great to see him be like, all right, you know, give me your best shot. Yeah. What would you think of the kills in general? Um, I think as far as the budget is concerned, I understand why some of them have to be a little bit lesser. Um, some of them are shown off screen. Um, there's a couple of kills in this movie that are kind of of note, uh, where the, that jabroni gets drilled through the shoulder. Uh, the girl gets her throat slashed. Um, I th- and there's a pretty brutal stabbing that also happens. That's kind of uh, intercut with that that horror movie that she's watching on TV. Yeah, that I thought yeah. was cool. So there's not a, a ton of kills in this that I think are super memorable. But also it's I kind of have to put myself in that frame of mind of like this is early 80s. So it's where the slasher genre was kind of really picking up steam. So not a lot of these movies were sold on what crazy kill are we going to have next? It's more of the flavor of like Carpenter's original Halloween to where the kills aren't super elaborate and you're not going to see beheadings and stuff like that. So I think for the time and for the budget, they're pretty good. Um, but I'm curious to see where the series goes from here. Yeah, me me too. Um, definitely um, a little bit lower on the creativity end. Yes. Uh, Russ Thorne, not very creative. There's just a lot of kind of hack and slashing going on. Yeah. Um, but as far as like some of the uh, the makeup effects looked really good. Yeah, um, totally. On all the like slash wounds, like uh, there was a few really good shots of like whenever um, someone got like slashed across the stomach, it yep. looked really gnarly. Um, it, but I also like some of the creativity of like revealing like, um, you would see like the the incident happen, and then the body would just kind of fall into frame. And, totally, like, I thought that was cool. Yeah, and um, I liked um that they had this element 
um, there was always this element with a few of the kills. They used this trick a few times of someone's getting killed and like they're getting killed where they're in distance of someone that could help them. Yeah. But then there's always like a sound that's uh, on top of it to mm-hmm. where the other people don't find it. So it's like yeah. when um, a sexy phone lady was getting killed in the van, she's exactly. like banging on the window, but the guys are too distracted talking about yeah. uh, dumb boy shit. Well, there's, which, al- there's it, also a funny moment where they ha- actively hear one of the girls that is outside and they're like, "Nah, we're probably going to die if we go out and help her. So they just kind of like leave her outside, which I was like, dang, they're fucking ruthless. <laughs> yeah. And there's like another kill too that um is happening. Um, I think it's when Diane gets killed mm-hmm. and she's like screaming, but then um someone's making uh, drinks and smoothies. Yeah, great. I uh, love edits like that. So yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, slasher, sla- some slasher movies will do stuff like that, which I, I think is great. Yeah. I, so I, I, so I like the element that there's always someone pretty close that could have saved them, but like, oh, up, oh, nope, just because up oh, can't hear you. Exactly. Whoops, that sucks. You had mentioned some of the special effects. I, I was trying to find the fact exactly to, to get the, the, um, the recipe of the blood that they used. I couldn't quite find it, but I, I did read that, uh, there were a couple of cast members that w- the time in the year where they were filming and, and the location of where they were filming. I believe this is in LA. Um, I believe it's like in Studio City, so it's not too far from here. Uh, but they had uh, the the whatever they used for the blood on set uh, when they were like uh, not doing takes and like just taking five or taking lunch or stuff like that. Uh, a lot of local bugs uh, and like gnats and flies were like attracted to the blood. So there was a lot of like actors in this movie uh, that had lots of blood on them and were just like this homing beacon for any kind of bug because I guess it was too sugary or something like that. Hmm. But I think that I thought that that was very funny and, and unfortunate for them huh interesting now i want to know where they where they filmed this movie at. i'm gonna look um yeah they they say that this is supposed to be taking place near venice yeah um, they did film in venice i'm seeing here uh at the the houses those two houses are in venice but oh. uh yeah so yeah yeah interesting not too far away from here i like um how they use the the radio too of like uh talking about the that the killer's already on the loose on the prowl you know before the oh, yeah, party yeah, happens news par- newspaper uh, yeah and there's also the uh the radio early on in the movie mm-hmm. too so yeah. i like that he's like he's already on the prowl and we don't need to like get like any explanation or anything. I like um, how yeah. they use that. So the high school is Mark Twain High School, which is just north of the 187, uh, and it's kind of in between uh, Marina del Rey and Santa Monica, so not very far from here. You could visit the set if you wanted to. Oh, tight. We should uh, we should do that sometime. Like we should go on like a little tour of like hit some. Different you know what? Hot spots. I feel like there's tons of places around yeah, here that yeah. are kind of these. Uh, maybe not famous. I don't know if it's like a famous location, but uh, Pasadena has a lot of Halloween stuff. Yeah, which I had the yeah, pleasure yeah. of seeing uh, this last Halloween, which was great. Ooh, nice. Yeah, there's. Uh, I definitely haven't taken advantage of. Uh, visiting some more of like uh, the film sets. Bloody Blunt Cinema Club goes on the road. (laughs) Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, I I mentioned um, I really dig um, the sense of humor in this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, There's some really great lines. Um, You know, I love the um, when the pizza guys come into the door and uh, he says, what's the damage? And he goes six so far. Dang. Uh, the Russ Thorne. I was yes. like, oh, nice. Yes. I was Very like, look, look at you there. Look at you go there. Um, exactly. Uh, a really funny one there. Um, I already said the we're, uh, we're here for the orgy line. Yes. Um, I love the scene that uh, later, whenever uh, shit's hitting the fan, mm-hmm. um, and uh, we do get like the the great shot of the pizza guy with the his eyes drilled out. But then later on. Uh, even when shit's hitting the fan and people are dying, yeah. uh, homegirl is still eating the pizza. 
yes. from the dead guy. Exactly. She's like, oh, man, I can't believe he's dead. And then she like reaches <laughs> over and opens the box. And she's like, are you serious? And she's like, what? Eating makes me feel better. Yeah. And like, that's, a, that's a pretty gnarly special <laughs> effects moment, too, with the guy's eyes are cut out. And they like drag him in the house. I was like, dude, that, that guy probably got the worst of it. We don't know what like quite happened to some of the off screen kills. But like getting both of your eyes drilled out, that's that's a tough way to go for sure. Uh, as far as favorite lines, uh, they're kind of eavesdropping on the phone. Uh, and there's the girl on the phone that says, like, do you think I'm getting better? Which I think is really funny. <laughs> and then the girls downstairs uh, say, I think our First Amendment's been... Uh, the girl upstairs says, I think my uh, First Amendment's been violated. So I thought it was hilarious that she was, like, on the phone with her boyfriend. who, And she's apparently not very good in bed. So she's, like, <laughs> asking for tips in a way. Kind of made me feel bad for her. But uh, that was a great moment. And, yeah, some of the other humor that uh, I liked in this movie, as I said, the blender edit is a good cutaway i love stuff like that kind of a match cut that's great uh and the uh the, the horror movie on on tv was a great moment kind of a pre a precursor to scream in a way to where uh they're you know watching halloween on tv as the killer is actually behind them so uh yeah it's it's uh, funny to see kind of what would eventually become i don't know if it's a direct callback but it, it reminded me of that nonetheless uh yeah um it- it, it could be. It could be. Um, there's a there's a really goofy shot that makes me laugh too. Um, mm-hmm. When the killer is like, um, someone is like coming back in, I guess like from the garage, and he yeah. like smiles and like lays down on the ground and like puts a blanket over him. Yeah, just like, like hiding there. Maybe he was like getting some shut eye. He's like, it's been a long day. I'm I'm exhausted. He just had this like really nap. goofy smile. Yes. and it was um it was just a really funny shot. I, I don't think we've talked about it in any of the movies that we reviewed, but I wanted to ask what you thought of the poster of the movie because I think in regards to the to the to the gamut of of slasher and horror posters that we've gotten this is probably one of my favorites so i think this is a really cool simple poster and also kind of ties in thematically i think it's great what do you think i mean yeah no i I think it's a great poster um i think it does um kind of uh it does like match it thematically but then also um you kind of feel that struggle that like you know that they're talking about like you know appeasing the the producers in a way because like you know having them all because in the poster they're all in all in bras and in the movie they're not all in the movie they're they're all in t-shirts and like comfy clothes and stuff so like uh interesting that the movie is like oh no look they're good it's gonna be half naked girls running around and they're not um which is also great some different taglines for this movie they'll run them by it It says close your eyes for a second and sleep forever which i think is fine Uh, but the one that i like the most is uh you bring the pizza i'll bring the drill i think that's great that is really great, even though it's like, oh, okay, like, <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds really funny. Like, I'll bring the drill. Um, all right, but um, yeah, all in all, um, uh, I think it's a a good start to the series. Yeah. Um, apparently, you know, two uh, seems to be um the hot one. Oh, there was one other line in Wonder Shot that's very darkly hit uh, me with it. Um, because I loved um Val and Courtney's um their little cutaway scenes of them mm-hmm. just like hanging out and like mm-hmm. you know having really good sister shit and uh, val at one point goes as the uh, as jim jones once said shut up and drink your kool-aid and like after like courtney like asked her something i was just like jeez louise they pour so much sugar into that kool-aid too they like pour this kool-aid and then like easily like two cups of sugar in there i was like ladies take it easy i know it's a girl's night but wow you're gonna be you're gonna be up all night realistic i i love how she even puts it in then gives the the little bit of extra pour yeah (laughs) Uh, that little bit extra pour i thought it was pretty funny but oh no um yeah i enjoy it it um again being very short um the 
for being so short, it is uh, fantastic. That like goes to show you how much that doesn't take effort to make likable characters and sure. to make like more well-rounded characters to be like, okay, if we're going to make this movie and yeah, these girls are all gorgeous and they look great and they have great tits. That's nice. <laughs> but they also have good personalities and That's they're smart and they're resourceful. You can have it both ways. Like it's okay. Like they can, you can, they can be sexy ladies, but like, Hey, they're also smart, sexy ladies. You what know? you want in a girlfriend, right? Yeah. Uh, no, I think the, uh, the all jokes aside, this movie was, um, it, 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 it really is this kind of interesting time capsule of the era. Uh, I, I think a lot of the ideas that this movie brings forward, uh, I, I wish were a little bit more prominent. Uh, I, I feel like just like this movie, some men like kind of stepped in and kind of ruined the party in a way. Yeah. Uh, I kind of wish that original vision would have been fulfilled because I, I think it would be really interesting. It would have uh, stood the test of time and maybe could have been the scream of the day to where it's kind of yeah when they're poking, poking totally, fun at 100%. it. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of the uh, actors concerned, uh, their acting ability is about kind of what on par you would expect with uh, movies of this genre, which is doesn't honestly doesn't really detract. It kind of adds. It's 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 kind of a fun kind of a silly energy to it. Uh, I thought a lot of the kills, as far as the horror concerned, are, are pretty good. Um, I'm curious to see where this series goes uh, from here. I hear it gets pretty wild, so I'm excited to see that. Maybe lean into the horror a bit much, but I will say ten out of 10 movie uh in regards to the vibe loved the vibe of this yeah. movie great kind of just like have on 80s like it really is like a boiling down to what a lot of the 80s were in horror it's like young teenagers getting killed and there's booze and there's boobs and there's blood which seems to be a, a common theme <laughs> among oh, a yeah. lot of these movies the the vibe is definitely there like it, and it also just like feels like a very like it's just very you're hanging out. You're just hanging out with the girls, hanging out with know? the gals. And um and I I do appreciate that. And and it's funny. I realized we um we skipped over our 60 second synopsis, but they're really we wouldn't really need 60 seconds. You know? you'd probably need 10 because it's it's there's girls I, they I, having a slumber party and there's you, a massacre. Uh, it's funny you say that cuz I was literally just going to list off all of the girls and just say like who's who's intended at this party and that would like fill my time is is cuz it's really bare bones. There's not a lot to say in this maybe uh, name drop the pizza guy because yeah like you said it's there's girls they have a slumber party and some people die unfortunately yeah i mean um uh, like the the most uh everybody in the most talking about the most recent texas chainsaw massacre hey it finally held up to the title of the movie so this movie holds up to the title of the movie uh the best that any movie could there's there was a slumber party yes. there was a massacre you get what you were sold on the box So for like the movie math, I, I, I found this like, I don't know, kind of hard in a way because it's like, really, you can just put in any movie. Sure. Like this movie doesn't really have like a distinct, um, like a, again, like a very like distinct, like something to it to sure. where it's like it, that sets it apart from any of the other slasher. Cause this one's just so bare bones. Yeah. Um, but you know, again, like it, as far as like following the slasher template, 
it uh, definitely does that. Mm-hmm. But so for our movie math, uh, what do you got, Garrett? Um, I've got some pretty uh, uh, kind of conventional movies that seems to be, yeah, it's like if you're going to boil down the bare ingredients of this movie, it's essentially this. But you, like you said, you could throw in, and I actually did that, where I put in like, nah, it's a little bit closer to this, but it's like they're all the same flavor here. Uh, so the obvious one to me is Halloween. Um, but I think this movie in, specific, uh, in particular has it because it's a idea of this maniac who escapes from uh, some kind of facility and kind of preys on the suburban white neighborhood and there's a babysitter who's with kids and next door something terrible is happening to these young girls Uh, but I also threw in Prom Night another Jamie Lee Curtis movie uh, particularly because you have these uh, group of young kids who are getting killed and the movie's kind of flashy and colorful not as kind of serious as something uh, like Halloween but you kind of have the fun energy of something like prom night yeah this movie doesn't take itself too seriously like something with halloween so you got to give it that little comedic flavor of something like prom night a little more goofy yeah um i i would say um the the um tone and sense of humor be like yeah on par with something with prom night um i picked um the original maniac Mm -hmm. um because just of the idea of it's just like this is just a, a guy going around like, you know, yeah. this is not a, you know, person in a mask. Um, this could, you know, be anybody that's just like, a, this is just a guy and like how scary that is. And like um, in Maniac, you know, he's kind of going after people that are being promiscuous yes, um, because of his past and whatnot. And we kind of have an element of this, too, where um, it, even though it's like he, the the killer in this isn't going after them for these girls because of their promiscuity, because yeah. like really they're not like none of the girls are very sexual, and mm-hmm. even if they but they talk about being sexual and they talk about it in confidence though too. Yeah. Um. But in the way that the killer in this movie, um, like you know, makes it out to be like this sexual act that like that they like and like that that as a man he's providing yeah. something. I don't know that little them. girl was reading Playgirl, so maybe she had it coming is all I'm saying. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> um so so I had that and then my other one is the Prowler. Um because the Prowler is just a, you know, another um this the Prowler actually came out before this. Um but it was a slasher that's very simple. It's very bare bones of um this um slasher kind of terrorizing this like little um, apartment, uh, like townhouse complex. Nice. So just the idea of like it being kind of very, um, small and domestic. Cause like this one, like Valerie is neighbors with Trish, you know, it's happening across the street. Oh. Um, so it has this like inner neighborhood kind of play to it. Um, so that's one reason I like the Prowler and, um, between my movies, both, uh, those movies have special effects done by Tom Savini, very um, nice. and effects in this, I won't say like on Tom Savini level, but they're pretty good as far as, uh, the practical effects on like the, the wounds and whatnot go. Yeah. You know, I haven't seen the Prowler. Uh, I'm going to have to check it out. It's apparently directed by Joseph Zito who went on to direct uh, Friday the 13th, the final chapter, which also had special effects from Tom Savini. So I'm gonna definitely gonna have to check Whoa. that one out. I gotta add it to the list. Uh, a whole a whole uh, Tom Savini full circle. Interesting. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, those are, you know, just some other um, and, and the thing with all those movies we list are like they're all kind of 
uh, movies that follow the, the slasher template, like oh, pretty totally. like, cause this is in the eighties of the prime of where it's just kind of a uh, plug and play at this point of exactly. slashers. Yeah. Um, but I do appreciate that. We again have a slasher series where it's like women get to have some fun too. Exactly. Um, in doing that. So I'm excited to, uh, dig further into the series. Um, we'll be doing slumber party massacre two. Very Next week, that. we'll have it gets a, wild and crazy. I'm excited to get wild. Yeah, and crazy. this one's like a musical, I think. What? Yeah, oh the, God, the, girls so are in a, the girls are in a band, and the guy has the killer has a drill on the end of a guitar. I knew that, but I didn't know it was a musical. So I, think, I don't know about you, but I love musicals. So I'm very excited to I talk love, about this. <laughs> I love musicals as well. We did a whole month before you came on of oh, uh, horror musicals. I missed it. Did you talk about Little Shop of Horrors? Um,. Yes, um, a little bit, but that's one I would revisit because okay. I did cover it like in a um episode where I did a okay. I did a medley of movies where I covered like four different okay. horror musicals. We got that, and then Rocky Horror probably covered that. Rocky one. Horror was covered, uh, but uh, Little Shop of Horror. We, we, we still got some. We well, still got some uh, out there that okay, we good. can talk Ooh, about. Okay, good, good, good. Oh yes, uh, <laughs> a, another horror musical month definitely happened. So yes, excited. Um, for this next installment, if it is indeed a musical. Let's do it. I'm not exactly for sure. But anyways, um, and we'll have a guest next week. So that'll Ooh, be fun as well. Excited. Get some ladies in here. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Garrett, what are you working on right now? Um, I am on YouTube and Twitter uh, and uh, Letterboxd at Garrett McDowell. I also have another podcast called The Scum and Villainy Podcast, which is about Star Wars and nothing but... Um, also got some uh, movie reviews coming along the way, including The Batman and Studio 666, if you want to get some more horror thoughts out from me. Uh, so yeah, I'm up to stuff and podcasts and movies and talking about movies, pretty much what you uh, saw here. Yes, yes. Make sure you are subscribed to all of his wonderful things. Um, intrigued to see how this Batman video turns out. I'm, I'm excited. very excited. Yes. I'm excited for that. Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore daddy disco. Um, you can find me on, uh, I have another podcast, Breaking Waves on Beta Wave TV. Um, it's a YouTube podcast that you can watch or listen. And um, we talk to some really dope artists around the LA area and have other music discussions. Uh, you can find me sometimes on the Pod and Pendulum podcast. Um, we did, I was on Child's Play 2. We're covering the Child's Play stuff on there. So I'll be returned there shortly. And um, I just did a guest spot on this uh, podcast called The Draft, mm. um, where we uh, did a draft of the of uh, Jim Carrey movies. So um, there's lots of drama in it. Um, I had a really fun time on this podcast. So by the time uh, this is released, so will that episode. Go so check go it ch- out, people. Go check that out as well. But that's going to go ahead and do it for this week's episode of the Blade Blunt Cinema Club. New episodes drop every Tuesday, so make sure you're subscribed and you don't miss an episode. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave us five stars, write a nice little review. We'd appreciate that. And you can follow the pod on social media at Bloody Blunt's Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And until next time, guys, stay lifted.